When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown, Mass Lives Red Sox podcast. Been a while, but we're back to cover all this going on in the world of the Red Sox. I'm Chris Cotillo, your host here with my co-beat writer. Chris Smith, and we'll dive right into it. A lot going on with the Red Sox this week. As we record this, they're in the middle of a big series with the Rays in St. Petersburg. They're going to come back home on Friday, play the Yankees for three games, and host the Royals. And then uh, before we know it, we'll be at not just the midway point, the actual midway point, but also the all-star break. And this team is in first place in the American League East. So um, it's been... A tough stretch, I think. They've played a lot of good teams. They've played uh, a lot of tough games, a lot of long games, but here they are still a half game up as we record this. And I'll start with this question for you, Chris. If you look at how they played in June, right now they're 12 and 9. You know, they played that 17 day, 17 game stretch where they faced Houston and the Yankees and Toronto and the Braves and all these teams that made the playoffs last year. And I think that they didn't play particularly well during that stretch. Um, yet they were nine and eight, you know, and they, they go down and, and during this road trip, they've been sloppy, bad defense, bad pitching, and they swept in Atlanta. They have a chance to to end the road trip with a five and three record tonight. Is this the mark of a good team where you can play not your best baseball, have your pitching not be that great, have your defense not be that great, and just be, you know, right in the thick of things and still come out of this with a positive record? Yeah, I've actually had a few people on Twitter ask me if this is sustainable because the, you know, the pitching has been horrible this month, the starting pitching. I think Pete Abe tweeted it out uh, in the last seven games, they're seven and seven, but I mean, the last 14 games, they're seven and seven, but they have an ERA in the eights, the starters. And so um, I don't know if that's sustainable. I mean, you know, Garrett Richards right now looks like he can't pitch unless he has, you know, sticky stuff on his hands. Yep, we'll get that, to that. That's, that's an issue. Um, you know, you just hope that, I guess, if you're the Red Sox, you hope that uh, Chris Sale comes back healthy and, and effective because they look like they need another starting pitcher right now. Uh, they don't look like a, a team that can go through the rest of the season with who they have. And so um, is it sustainable? I don't know. I mean, the offenses look pretty good to, to I guess, keep them in they battle to, you know, show some character. Uh, you yeah. know, most, Mo- most uh, comebacks. It seems like two or three times a week they do that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, while they're not hitting at certain points and they're striking a lot, um, you know, Dahlbeck is obviously striking out a lot and other guys, you know, Kike hasn't been great this year. Uh, they haven't figured out the leadoff spot. But I think they're still third in offense in baseball. They right. haven't hit with, you know, runners at third and and then fewer than two outs. Um, so, but they're still been clutch. You know, they've been able to come back in these games. And 
I don't know if it's sustainable if the pitching staff continues to do what it, it has, starting pitching. Uh, you can't just rely on the offense that's, you know, the offense hasn't been great. I mean, the the offense has been good, and the offense has put them back in games. But you know, there is still a lot of strikeouts and a lot of you know situations where they're not hitting. Uh, you know, and the, as I said, the leadoff spots are concerned. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it's sustainable. We'll see. I think it's just crazy that you look at. You know, every week it seems like oh, well, this was kind of a middling week. You know, they'll go down to Houston, lose three out of four. They'll lose two of three to the Astros at home, you know, two of three over the weekend in Kansas city. And it's like, you think like at a certain point, you know, the record's going to catch up to them, but they're still, you know, 44 and 30. They're still one of the best teams in, in the American league, the best teams in baseball based on the record. And it just seems like, um, you know, they've been able to tread water when they haven't been playing their best. And then sometimes they have a weekend like they did in the Bronx a couple weekends ago where they sweep the big statement, you know, and, and they could do the same, obviously, this week. And we'll get to Garrett Richards now because I think that's the big story going on right now. We talked about that uh, a week ago in Atlanta, last night in St. Petersburg. We are at a point where Garrett Richards has uh, been very candid, very open with the media and, and with the public and saying that without the sticky stuff, without the foreign substances he's used, he has to completely reinvent himself as a pitcher. He's been now in the big leagues for parts of 11 seasons. And with, with his history, I really mean parts. Obviously, he hasn't pitched many full seasons. But, um, you know, in that time, since he debuted with the Angels way back when, he's always kind of done things the same way. And now this has been dropped on him in the middle of the year. And I asked this question last night to, to both Cora and Richards. If you're making a fund, like a small tweak mechanics or you're um, tinkering with a pitch in the middle of the season, those types of normal things like, that happens with pitchers all the time. But when you have to be get down to this level of fundamentals where you have to change literally everything and you're at an injury risk and all that stuff, I can't imagine how daunting it is for him to try to do it. I know other pitchers in baseball are going through it, but he seems like he's having real trouble figuring it out. To me, his future, um, at least this season, is a ma massive, massive, massive concern. Yeah, so... Um... You know, I was wondering how much the doctored baseballs, as you could call them, um, would, you know, how much of an effect that really has. Because you you see, like, you know, teams that are always going to get guys, you know, um, off waivers or something or, you know, small trades that they're like, oh, this guy, he has great spin rate. You know, we can figure it out. And um, and then, you know, I mean, like Colton Brewer is the guy that had, they we heard about it, like great spin rate, great spin mm -hmm. rate. But, you know, Colton Brewer you know, didn't perform in the major leagues. And right. so like my, my, my understanding is like, you know, if you're good, you're good. You know, if you're great, you're great. Uh, it's not going to affect you much. I mean, you look at Garrett Cole and I think his uh, revolutions per minute spin rate has gone uh, down about the same amount as, um, you know, as Garrett Richards and, and Garrett Cole has a 2.57 ERA and a 160 batting average against his last three starts. Yep. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I said it before with Garrett Cole, I didn't think he was going to become a, a, you know, an average pitcher because of this. However, you know, uh, Garrett Richards was never Garrett Cole. And, you know, so maybe it is affecting the guys that were on, you know, the, the, the guys are a little above average, you know? And with Richards, it's to the point where, you know, in Atlanta, he said, well, I just, I'm going to abandon throwing the curveball, And so now I'm just <laughs> going to throw all fastballs and, it's like almost unbelievable to hear a major league pitcher talk like that. And uh, he obviously, you know, in, in St. Pete, he 
tried throwing the curveball, not with much success. Another fastball heavy attack. And, um, you know, obviously he had no command and the Rays kind of were able to ambush him with a couple of homers too. So, um, yeah, I heard there was no swing and misses on the, on either the slider or the curveball last night. So, I mean, yeah. So Dave Bush last night post game says, this is not a big overhaul. This is just kind of some minor tweaks yet. Garrett Richards is trying to teach himself a changeup in the middle of the season and trying to start throwing that maybe next time out, maybe on the West coast trip. I mean, that's, I know we're just a couple of idiots who've never played this game, but that's unbelievably hard, right? Like that's just, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you look at it and um, you know, two pitchers come to mind. I mean, like, you know, they, they, they've redone Tanner Houck's repertoire and they added the splitter last year and he still hasn't felt comfortable enough in games to, right you know, throw the splitter more than two or three times and he a game. had a simulated game environment literally for a full summer last year yeah. and all winter and in spring training to figure it out. Another guy you look at is, you know, uh, Garrett Whitlock, who's, you know, slider was behind the other two pitches and he wasn't throwing it a lot at the beginning of the year. And now it's start, he's starting to throw it more. Um, so, I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, I just don't know how he could feel confident if he's just like, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden he's, he's throwing a change up and he hadn't, right. and he just can feel confident because, you know, obviously pitchers don't feel confident when they've, when they're just starting out on, on a new pitch. So with Garrett Richards, you know, if sales back, if Tanner, how factors into the rotation, Garrett Richards, there could be a guy ticketed for the bullpen. Who knows? That's a conversation that's going to come down the road. Um, I do want to talk about Chris sale a little bit. It seems like, you know, for as slow as it was going for a long time and as backed up as all those, setbacks made this be it's starting to feel like we're actually ramping up you know friday or saturday at fenway is a big day he's going to face hitters for the first time since he had tommy john surgery um you know we obviously that's not okay you face hitters and all of a sudden you're going to start pitching in the big leagues again but um you know this is starting to heat up to the point where uh it looks like for him sometime mid-august feels like when he'll come back i don't know how you feel about that yeah, um, mid-August sounds about right. I mean, but everything has to go, you know, everything has to go positive because yeah. we've seen with certain setbacks already and mm-hmm. not arm-related, not arm um, they've really set them back. You and know? other guys, whether it be Syndergaard, Severino. Yeah, I was going to say like them, like, you know, it's like he's going to have to have a number of minor league rehab starts and, you know, anything could happen in there, you know, uh, he could feel some arm fatigue. And, and if that happens, you know, you shut him down. I mean, I think you just have to be kind of cautiously optimistic that nothing happens. He is obviously, you know, a guy that's kept himself in good shape and, um, you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I, it just, it just, it doesn't seem great that, you know, you're relying on mid August, but any setback could, you know, delay it even more. And so, um, you know, and then when he comes back, how much is he going to pitch? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. how much is he going to go, you know, per game? Is it going to be like 2000 and what was it, 18 when he came back from mm-hmm. that, you know, elbow thing and was pitching, you know, four or five innings, three, four or five innings a game and, you know, wasn't as effective, but was still pretty good. I mean, you still could take what he gave you. So if Chris Sale is, it shows you in September that he can be serviceable you say have to have a wild card game. Is he the guy that you line up for that game? Um, I'd probably line up Nate, Nathan Avaldi. I mean, I, I, if you can line somebody up, obviously yeah. it's difficult to line mm-hmm. stuff, stuff up, but Perfect um, world. 
Yeah, I think Nathan Navaldi has really had the best season of anybody right now. It's actually funny because he's like 30-something percentile on spin rate. He's never been a big spin guy. So this this whole thing really hasn't really affected mm-hmm. Nathan Navaldi because he, he doesn't rely on spin to be in with. So, um, you know, and, and we saw him – you know what he did in the postseason in 2018. I'd probably, I'd probably go with him. But you know, I, you know, if, I'd rely on Sale too if he looked, you know, pretty good in a couple of starts back in in late August and in September. So the progression here probably will be, uh, I think he's up to 45 pitches, so something like 50 pitches against hitters and an up and down semi game at Fenway. Probably do that two, three, four times, and then go on a rehab start wherever that is. Yeah, uh, two, three, four times. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, yeah, and then we'll just see. I mean, I, I don't know how many rehab starts he's going to need. Probably like three or four. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting. On it's Saturday, right? That he's throwing. And yeah. Hopefully, it'll be open. You know, it'll be when the park's open to the media, so mm-hmm. we can. You can, you can climb one of the take, foul poles if it's not. I can try to take some video and stuff. And yeah, and, take uh, video from five hundred feet away. No, well, I mean we we can go down. Oh, we on the field. That's right. Yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully it should be fun, you know, just to see how he looks. I'm, you know, I mean, he's not going to be crisp, you know, even in the beginning. So if his stats don't look great in minor league rehab starts at the beginning, you know, I think the most important thing to look for is, you know, velo. You know, how fast is he throwing is related to, you know, pre-surgery. And those are the things you need to look at, not results, not like actual numbers and results, maybe movement of hitches, how he's locating and, and his velocity. I want to get to the uh, the leadoff spot conundrum. Uh, conundrum is a good word for it because you know they've they've tried a lot of different things, uh, and the thing that really this week and uh, even before that is Danny Santana. And I just and I've texted multiple people in the organization this. Uh, what am I missing with Danny Santana? And the answer has been. You know, we got to give the guy a chance to play and see if the talent comes through. But let's just look at the numbers here. 23 games, 72 plate appearances, which is too many. Hitting 123, that is 8 for 65. Uh, he has two homers and a triple, which all happened in about the first two or three games. So he has, doesn't have an extra base hit in like the last 20, 20 21 games because they all came at the beginning. 208 on base percentage out of a guy that you're having hit leadoff. And a 454 OPS from Danny Santana. Uh, I know there's a lot of calls for Jaron Duran or even Franchi Cordero, but at this point, I just cannot fathom why Danny Santana has a roster spot. Yeah, I would think that Franchi Cordero would be up soon if this continues. I mean, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Danny Santana, and there's a reason why they got him as a you know minor league free agent. It's not right. just because he was hurt last year. You know, um, he's you know he has below a two uh, three hundred on base percentage for his career. I think it's like mm-hmm. in the two nineties. And so two ninety six. Two ninety six. And so um, you know he's not a leadoff hitter. He's you know he had that one outlier year where he had you know twenty eight home runs and you know, an, an OPS in the 850s and everything. And, and um, you know, but but the rest of his career, he hasn't been that type of hitter. You know, his, mm-hmm. his OPS in his career is, I just looked it up here, seven, 707. So it's like, you know, I don't know what they were expecting. You know, the 2019 Danny Santana or the Danny Santana we've seen for the rest of his career where, you know, he, he isn't an everyday player and he, uh, you know, he's a valuable guy that can play multiple positions, but he's a utility guy. He's not a, you know, he's not the guy that would hit lead off in, in a starting lineup that, 
you know, is trying to get to the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that we could see him, uh, you know, designated for assignment uh, within a couple of weeks if this continues and, and, you know, they, you know, they bring Cordero up. There's another thing with, you know, Jaron Duran, is he getting closer? Is he getting closer? Um, one good indicator of what his closeness, uh, Red Sox stats actually tweeted it out. I think I retweeted it. Uh, they tweeted that this morning. His strikeout rate has really dropped in the last 22 games as opposed to the first 10 games. I think it was in the 30s in last two games, uh, last 10, 22 games. Uh, the strikeouts have been, you know, have gone down and the power is still there. Power has been great. I mean, like six home runs in the last 12 games. So he definitely is an option. You know, you, you don't want to bring somebody up before he's ready, but you know, the, the numbers are starting to indicate that he might be ready. I don't know about his defense. Uh, I haven't seen him play this year, uh, except on TV occasionally. And I haven't been down to Worcester or over to Worcester, <laughs> but um, over. over to Worcester. Uh, but uh you know, he, he's definitely a guy that uh, should get consideration now because the strikeout rate is dropping and some of those numbers are trending to, it, they they would be, you know, he would be a good player in the major leagues. So if Durant comes up, let's, let's play this out, even though I don't, I don't think it's going to happen immediately. And I, you know, they could call him up in, in the next 10 minutes and prove me wrong, but I don't think it is. Um, so he comes up and what what's his role? Is he the, the everyday center fielder? Is he... Uh, you're not going to have him come up and be a bench bat, right? So is it like you have Renfro, Verdugo, and Duran as your outfielders, and then Kike moves into the Marwin utility role? Or uh, yeah. I mean, how does that play out? I mean, you know, maybe Kike. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Kike and Arroyo share some second base. I mean, Arroyo has definitely proven that he can hit. Yeah. And so, you know, with him, it's just staying healthy and staying on the field. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I would think that, you know, if, if you have Duran up here, you're not going to use him as a platoon player. It's going to be like they're going to like, you know, put him in the lineup every day like they did with Ben Attendee in what was it, 2016 or I think it was 2016. And so, um, yeah, I would see him being in the, you know, being in the lineup or maybe it was 2015. I don't know, whatever with Ben Attendee. But, you know, they his numbers weren't terrific against lefties in the minor leagues at the higher levels of the minor leagues, I think. And they, they did rely on him every day. And so I think you, you got to have a, a guy that comes up and I think a guy that comes up, that's, that's already doing it right now. He's feeling good right now. He's, you know, he's in Worcester, he's hitting, you know, six home runs in the last 12 games. That's a lot easier for a guy to come up and make his major league debut when he's feeling it. You know, it's like the Will Middlebrooks thing, you know, right. I don't know how much, you know, uh, you know, Jackie Bradley on the roster at the beginning of the year in the 2013 struggle out of the gate. Uh, Will Middlebrooks was, you know, hitting everything in Pawtucket, you know, and then got called up and continued. So it should be interesting to see, you know, when they call him up and and how he performs. But yeah, I think that they would use him as the everyday um, starting center fielder. And so I think a wrinkle with him is the Olympics that start at the end of July. Do they let him go on that trip? No, I mean, if he's in the majors, if he's in the majors, that's not going to happen, but yeah, like, if, uh, obviously, but so, if, yeah, I get what you mean. Like, you know, the possibility hanging over that they could need him and that they'd have to, you know, bring. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I probably wouldn't if I was the Red Sox um, because of the outfield situation right now. Yeah. You know, as, as we said, Franchi's really hitting well. 
mm-hmm. in Worcester. I haven't looked at his numbers the last few games, but the to- total is uh 356, five homers, 22 RBIs, and a 1111 OPS. So that'll play. <laughs> and that will play. So uh, I'd probably call him up first and see how he he does. Um, give him Santana's spot. I mean, that was the spot he was supposed to be in originally. You know, until right. he struck. So you know, see what he does. And but yeah, I probably wouldn't send Durant to Tokyo. Uh, you know, because you you might need him in that in that quick. Yeah, how many how many days is the Olympics? Is it like a week? Two weeks. Or two, two weeks. But yeah. I mean, so they've only had it for thousands. No, of years I knew I knew things. it was I knew it was two weeks. But I'm talking about like you know, things start later than others or things start earlier and get over then. So how long is the baseball tournament? Like I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that. Whatever, yeah. whatever. So like, you know, you might not be able to afford to send them even for a week. And if if you do send them, then yeah, you can't call them. You're not, you're not going to call them back. So it'd be interesting to see if he's, if he's in the majors, he's no longer eligible anyway. Um, if he's right on the edge of a call up and, you know, all of a sudden he's not on the team, that's an indicator that maybe something's close. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up talking about uh, the weekend ahead. Red Sox Yankees at Fenway. There's kind of a lot going on Friday afternoon. The Dustin Pedroia ceremony Saturday, as we talked about, Chris Sale throwing the hitters on the Fenway field for the first time. Um, and most importantly, you know, three games between the Red Sox and Yankees. We've seen uh, a few weeks ago. You were there in the Bronx when the Red Sox swept. Um, they're going to get another chance to face face off against their their arch rivals this week and a team in the Yankees that. You know, has not really, you know, in the minds of many, hit their stride as of right now. They're four and a half games back of the Red Sox. Um, you know, they're everybody's kind of middling in their last four. Red Sox or last ten. Red Sox five and five. Rays three and seven. Yankees six and four. Uh, the Red Sox are going to get to face Garrett Cole on Sunday, I believe, against Eduardo Rodriguez, which should be an interesting matchup considering how Erod has been trending. Um, you know, at this point, how do you think the Red Sox are? legitimately like five a team that's five games better than the Yankees I know um you know the records say so but but where do you where do you rank the Yankees do you think this is a three horse race do you think this is a two horse race where would you put it yeah so um somebody said to me the other day person not to be named uh I don't think they want me to shout them out but they said that they looked at this Yankees team as a like the 2019 uh the 2019 Red Sox right like a team that you know should be good but like is slow and isn't, you know, it just isn't there. And, you know, I went down in New York and or over to New York or wherever the heck New it's York down. is. No, it's south. It's, it's fine. We got it. <laughs> and um, I went over there and, you know, and, and every, like, you know, every double play, you know, I, I mean, every ground ball was a double play. I mean, they, they're slow. They're a slow team. You know, they get some slow players. Um they're just not, they just, they do look a lot like that 2019 team where they should be a legit team. And they just, they just don't have the athleticism. Um, you know, Stanton wasn't running out balls. I don't, I mean, potentially there's something wrong injury wise, but I mean, still, I mean, he was just not like, there was a double play ball that, you know, he could have beat out and he just didn't run it out. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, we'll see um, with them, like once they get, what Severino back, they might make a move at the deadline too for some pitching. And, you know, but I just don't think they're that like I, I thought they were gonna be a good team entering the year, but they do remind me of kind of like the 2019 Red Sox year. It's just not gonna happen. And what do you expect this year or this weekend from the Fenway Park crowd? Because I've been saying kind of all along, like, and I, this is not judging 
anybody who doesn't feel safe going to the games, because I totally get that, that being in a packed house of 35,000 or whatever after a pandemic and, you know, as much as you trust the vaccine and everything, like people still aren't comfortable with it. I get that. But I think I've been surprised to see what the Fenway crowds have been like. It's been, you know, consistently in the low 20s, mid 20s in terms of thousands. Um, you know, they had the one game against the Marlins that was horrible weather. Then they came back. Um, the Houston series, it was kind of like smaller crowds on weekdays. Toronto series was maybe a little bit better, but but still, like you're not getting close to a packed house. And then we go to Atlanta, at least for me last week, there's 40,000 people there. It was loud. It was packed. There's a great environment. Um, you know, Alex Cora said he, he hoped there's a packed house at Fenway for the Pedroia thing on Friday, but um, are they going to get there? Is there going to be 35,000 people in the place this weekend? Yeah, surprising. I've heard some different theories on this. And and uh, it, it, when you say like Atlanta's, you know, filling it up, there's other places filling it up that had to that didn't start. You know, Atlanta wasn't 100% capacity. Now you look at right. the Red Sox and what were they, what did they start out at? 9% or something like that? 12. 12%. And mm-hmm. then they went up to 20%? Yep. For like so, five days. Okay. So how many, how many uh, fans were in the stadium when it was 20%? Like, uh, 10 uh i don't know but anyway you're trying really to good. add like you're trying to add like 25,000 <laughs> i had this figured out before you're trying to add like 25,000 tickets you're, you're just trying to sell them on a whim here right i mean it's not like you're you're selling them in december where people get them for their you know christmas presents and then you know birthday presents in january and february i mean they're trying to sell a lot of tickets here last minute i mean they said i saw somebody um tweet to the red sox the other day when are one of the rest of july tickets are going to be on sale so they don't even have july july tickets on sale so it's like they're, right. they're doing it like the last minute you know so i think that has somewhat of an effect on it there might be people that you know don't feel safe but there also might be that you know it's probably hard to sell that many tickets uh you know in a few you know in, in a week or two and so um you know, that might be a fact, but as you said, you know, Lance is doing it. So I have been a little surprised um, that they haven't really been able to get over like what, 25,000. I haven't heard more than 25,000. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, obviously. And I think the weather is going to be great. It's Red Sox Yankees Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll have full coverage of it on mass live, even though Chris Smith has taken Friday off because in his own words, he hates Dustin Pedroia. No, I did not say that. <laughs> I actually have family coming from Syracuse, and I thought I'd switch days off. So uh, yeah, no, I made that completely up. Syracuse family is coming down to my mother's house, so we should wow. see them, and that will be fun. You can feel the excitement already. That's Chris Smith. <laughs> I'm Chris Cattell. It's the Fenway Rundown. <laughs>